We're grateful this morning that I'm grateful that I am. What a beautiful day. Blue skies and thank you for joining us online from across uh, BC, across Kelowna and in fact across the world. And uh, we're blessed that you are here. Are you feeling thankful? Oh yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll be feeling sleepy by, uh, by this afternoon I think with all that turkey and also if you have it again tomorrow. Uh, we're on a series called... Um, uh, Jesus, the great questioner. And, and as we think about the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and we think of the great questioner, last week I spoke on, on the question of longing. And what are we truly longing for within our lives? What are we looking for? What are we longing for? What are we searching for? And Jesus asked the question, you, you know, who are you looking for? And then he asked the question, what are you looking for? And this is incredibly important that we ask ourselves this question. And I hope this week you spend some time thinking about this. Who are you truly looking for within your life? Because we can attend church. We can attend Christian events. We can do this. But we can forget who we should be truly looking for within our lives. And we can forget that actually real Security, a sense of peace, a sense of, of destiny, a sense of purpose comes through the presence of God within us and within our lives. And if you're not a Christian or you're distant from Christianity or you've wandered away, I want to remind you this morning that actually the, the faith is lived out by you and I communing and having that presence, that relationship with God and knowing God. And when he comes into our heart, he comes and, and rebuilds our heart and our life and gives us that, that, that knowledge and gives us that, that strength that we know that we have a reason, that our longings have gone and that we know that that God-shaped vacuum within our lives has been filled. And what has it been filled with? It's been filled by the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. And every one of you has a seal of the Spirit. And that's why you know you will live for eternity. Because in the same way that the Spirit is eternal, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we have eternity as a deposit, a Spirit of the Lord within each one of us. And His presence is within us as His people. So who are you looking for truly? What are you longing for? What are you doing? Are you truly looking for the presence of God within your life? So what is my next step to go deeper in my faith? Maybe that is to join a group. Maybe that is to step into some form of mentoring. Maybe that is to start to set a pattern for devotions within your life. Then he turned towards the woman and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she, she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. The question I'm going to pick on today is the question of compassion. This, this Luke chapter 7, of course, is repeated in uh, other spot in the Gospels, is where the woman comes, she comes into the house of the Pharisee. Pharisee. And Simon is shocked. First of all, he's incredibly discourteous to Jesus on every level. 
He, has, he, he doesn't offer Jesus a towel. He doesn't offer him water. He doesn't offer him a place. And, and there is so much that I can start to talk about that and indeed have preached this passage before in terms of what is going on culturally and how this woman fulfilled all the acts of great hospitality with her hair as a towel, with her tears as water as she came. But she was of a bad reputation. She was broken. Her life was scattered. It was on pieces on the floor. And, and Jesus looks at all the religious establishment. He looks at Simon, the Pharisee, the religious one, the one that knows about how things should be done. And Simon is curious. He is looking at Jesus suspiciously, wondering who on earth this Jesus Christ is, wondering what is going on. And he doesn't show him the common courtesy that should be shown. This woman comes in in her brokenness, in her pain, and she weeps, and she 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 washes his feet. She is there. And yet everybody was sort of, this is awkward. They're all looking away. And Jesus says this question. Do you see this woman? And this is a challenge when we deal with the whole area of compassion. Is do we see people around us that are in pain? Do we see what they're going through? Do we see what they're facing? Because so often it is so easy within today's society, in today's modern society, we can be so visible on, face, on, on Facebook or in social media. We can be so visible, but, but it's so easy to stop seeing people, truly seeing and understanding what they're facing, what they're going through, seeing and understanding their pain. But the truth is this, is it Jesus is saying, I see this woman, I see her pain, I see her agony, I see what she's going through. And it's easy to become hard. It's easy in our lives to lose compassion. It's so easy to, be, to become two-dimensional Christians by which we lose the true message of love. We lose the true message of grace. We lose the true message of the mercy of God at work flowing through our lives towards other human beings. And I remember I was in my 20s and uh, traveling through a, a quite a, a tough time. And I went and worked in Africa and, uh, and to be honest, I kind of felt like I'd, I'd, I'd lost God somewhere. I don't know if you've ever felt as if you've lost God. It's, you know, you just turn around one day and where's God? I don't, I don't feel his, his presence like I did. I've lost God. So I went to Africa and, um, and I said to them, I'm just coming to work and uh, don't organize any preaching events. I was traveling all over the world preaching. I was in airplanes and airports and, and hotels. I was preaching at youth events and I was traveling around and my soul was truly empty. And I got there and, and they, they said, oh, brother, we haven't, we, haven't, uh, we haven't booked anything really for you. Just three nights in a stadium you can preach at. I was like, no. So anyway, it was an honor. So I, I preached for three nights on this stage in the middle of a field. They called it a stadium, but it was a field. And it was awesome. But I still didn't feel the presence of God. And at the end of it, a doctor from Newcastle, England, who trained there, 
he was a Tanzanian, got me in the back of his pickup truck and he drove me through the back streets and we arrived at the spot in the back streets and he started to sing. And out of the crowd, out of the darkness, appeared all of these people from underneath tarpaulin, underneath tarps. They started to appear from beside a stinking little river and they started to gather around and this was the leper community. And as I, as I stood there, they worshipped for an hour these, this community of lepers. No fingers, no arms, some of them. Some of them had, uh, of course, no legs and they were shuffling along and, and they just worshipped and they worshipped. And then he said to me, he said, now, pastor, will you preach to this congregation? I'm like, what do you preach to a group of people that are dying of leprosy, who love Jesus more than you? What do you talk about? Anyway, I preached something, I guess, and I shared it. And, and I spoke about, 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 God's great love and God's great. And at the end of it, this, this lady came up to uh, She shuffled up to me and said, will you pray for me? I said, yes, yes, in Swahili. So I got down and I, started, I held her and I started to pray for her and pray for her, pray for her. And she said, thank you, Baba. Thank you, Father, for those prayers. And I walked away. And it was at that moment that my heart was struck. And it was like one of those old Western TV shows. You remember those in black and white? It used to be like, meanwhile, back at the ranch. And they're, they're having a fight at the, at the corral. And then the black and white, meanwhile, back at here. And I was walking along the street. And meanwhile, back in England. And suddenly I was transported into an old people's home with my grandmother who had dementia, who I hadn't visited for months. And the Lord said to me, well done there, but what about here? When was the last time you held her in your arms? When was the last time you went and prayed the blessing of God on her? When was the last time you did that? And I literally, where I felt a, a, a thump in my stomach, bang. And I bent over and I just groaned, I have sinned. I remember going back to that little, oh, it was a dreadful hotel we stayed in. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, it was, it, and it was just one bulb and a fan. And I got in there and one bed and I got on my knees and spent the rest of the night repenting because I realized that in my religious zeal, I had lost what it meant to have true love. I'd lost it. I'd lost it. And I repented. And I went back and, um, and went to that old people's home. I must have been 25 or something. And I went in and I hugged my grandma Knight. That was her name. Prayed for her, blessed her, visited her, reminded of when she used to come to church. She used to come to church every time I preached at the little gospel chapel on a Sunday night. And every time I gave her peel, she got saved. It was awesome. 
honestly, that church would have grown, honestly. And she'd, she'd leave and she'd go, oh, I, I, I put my hand up again to get saved just to encourage you. Well done. <laughs> Theology was bad. But, but awesome, probably. And I was like, oh. And, and I remember then, then uh, some months later, she passed. And I know that she passed into the presence of God. But... But that, that humbled me and it broke me because it's so easy. Do you see this woman? Do you see the pain? Do you see what's happening in the world? Do you see the people around? Do you see the grief of that individual? Do you see the agony? And it's hard for us because we can't meet all the needs of the world, can we? But what we can do is that when needs come to us, we can greet those hurting people. We can greet that need. We can greet it by saying, I see this. I see this pain and I will respond in some way to this pain and that's a challenge for us theologically and it's a challenge we don't often like praise the Lord praise the Lord you his servants praise the name of the Lord let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forever from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets the name of the Lord is to be praised the Lord is exalted over all the nations his glory above all the heavens Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with the princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. This is remarkable theology. Because it's what actually is saying that God in all of his majesty comes down and reaches in mercy to the poor and the broken. In the midst of our sin and our miserable, miserable, miserable world, God comes down. Literally, as one theologian said, this psalm reminds us that God comes into the smallest homes and sees a young mother nursing a child, comes into our homes and sees those who are struggling and in pain, comes into our lives and sees the brokenness and the battles of our mental health, comes to the poor, comes to the small, comes to the insignificant. The glory of God comes to those who are poor and says, I come to you and I am with you. Majesty and mercy in the midst of misery. He comes into our little homes and he's present. That is unbelievable, isn't it? And we can so often suffer, suffer with a a lack of compassion in our Christianity. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. He came into the world. He came to be born in Bethlehem. He came into the world for your sake, 
And yet for your sake, he became poor. He became human. He came. This is so that you by his poverty might become rich. An incredible truth here. And it's the truth of this. That there's someone who is great. The great God. The creator of all. The God of all creation. Literally stooped to come down to our level. To connect with us. To show the compassion and love of God within our lives. God himself became man to show us the compassion of God within our lives. Is that remarkable? And so we have to remind ourselves that this is, this is, this is the way. He defends the cause of the poor and the needy so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? You want to know me? Then defend the cause of the needy. Is that not what it means? Do you see this woman? Do you see this problem? Do you see this injustice? Do you see the suffering that's taking place? Do you see the grief within that heart? Do you see? Do you see? Do you see that person with depression? Do you see them? And are you willing to be with them and just listen to them and not and show them that love and move? To be that person of compassion. It teaches us here. It teaches us here this one remarkable thing. Is that that we have to reflect God's character. Which is one of a caring and compassionate nature towards people's pain. It means that the Bible encourages us and to plunge ourselves into the, the pain and the difficulty of this world and, and be people of light, be people of truth. This is concrete in Scripture. It can't be got around. God is merciful. God is mighty. And God joins our misery. And God is with us. And it's about taking action. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. The problem is, is that we think when we get involved in the mess of the world. That, that orphan's life. That rebellious teenager. That person who is struggling to make ends meet. When we get involved in their lives and become a friend and we listen, somehow there's a weird theology that makes us feel as if we, we, we get somehow stained. We somehow get, you know, we can catch unrighteousness. We can catch the problems of the world. We can catch what is going on. And it's, no, why? Because of the very song that we sang together. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I am in the world, but not of the world. I'm in the world, but not of the world. And, and therefore, I'm not going to get somehow 
contaminated if I sit with somebody who's in agony and pain and is suffering. I'm not going to get contaminated if I get involved in a community of lepers. I'm not going to get contaminated if I, if I go down and I, I reflect good theology of action because actually compassion and good theology is all about action. Theology without action and compassion is not theology at all because it's not biblical theology. Now let me explain that. Oh, God was not pleased with Israel. How am I doing on time? Okay. God was not pleased with Israel. He was so not pleased. And what we can forget is that connection between an understanding of the glory of who God is in his majesty and yet his absolute compassion for those who are in misery. And, and, and the context of, of this part of um, Isaiah is about the fact that he, God is pretty tired of them. He's, he's worn out. He's actually worn out. He says, hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children, are, children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know my people and do not understand. Somewhere Israel became so utterly religious, ceremonial, so utterly driven by tradition that they forgot what it was to have the heart of God and be compassionate. It was a problem. He says, God says, I'm utterly estranged. Who are you? I see all of your sacrifices. I see all of your, 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 your activities in the temple. I see the way that you construct the most marvelous things and your fast days and your wonderful times of celebration. And yet I feel distant from you because you are not reflecting my heart. I'm weary of bearing and looking at you. You imagine God looking at Israel saying, I am so weary of you. You're wearing me out. <sighs> Honestly, why? Why? Simply because they had the divided heart. You see, they thought if they just did the religious thing, but showed no compassion and didn't see the need of their nation, of the poor, of the broken, that needed deliverance, that needed freedom, that needed healing. Because the elite and the religious society had lost the very sense of, of touching, God was like, I am weary of these people. Do I want your sacrifices? Do I want your laments? Do I want your festivals? I'm tired of it because you're not walking as a people of compassion. As Jesus looked at Simon the Pharisee, Simon, you have insulted me. Simon, you judge me in your religiousness. Simon, you haven't done the correct things for me and you despise this woman. But do you see this woman? 
Do you see? Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Whatever that is translated in today's society, be with those who need a friend in mental health, be with those who suffer with depression, be with those that are trying to make ends meet and and are struggling in this global economic shift. Bring peace, bring hope, Try and be that person that stands out for goodness and grace and mercy and love and reflect the glory and the character of God. He's saying, repent. Come now. I am so tired of this verse being quoted out of context. Come now, let us reason together. Oh, this is a very good verse to suggest that we need to have apologetics and we need to be able to explain all the wonders of God. And, and you know, it's an intellectual thing. God says, come, let us reason together. Although your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as driven snow. Yes, we need an age where we answer the philosophical, academic questions of today's society. I am completely in favor of that. I love apologetics, but it doesn't mean that. God saying to them, let's reason together. You're not compassionate anymore. You're not full of love anymore. You're doing the religious process, but you've lost the ability to care anymore. You've lost the ability to be generous. You've lost the ability to step in and be good. Now let me reason with you. Let me reason with you. Let me, let me, come on. You're a sinner because you live this way. And now it's time for me to reason. And if you reason with me, I will tell you that your sins, your inconsistencies, your divided heart, I can make you pure again. And I can make you a people of love people of grace. Yet on that day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Isaiah 58 picks it up. You do all of that, but you're not a good employer. You do all of that, but you still take advantage of the system. You do all of this religious stuff, but you know there's inconsistencies that you need to face up to. And it's time to get straight. It's time to get right. It's time. Wow. God really sees my heart. See how the faithful city has become a prostitute. She once was full of justice, righteousness, used to dwell in her, but now murderers. It's a pretty tough scene, Isaiah chapter 1. But there is good news. There is great news, in fact. And I can't even read it all. There's like... A massive amount of verses. Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke? Share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless 
pour into your houses when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then you will be called and the Lord will answer. So when you show mercy, when you show gratitude, when you show generosity, you're wondering why your prayers aren't answered. When you live in a way of love, suddenly you'll be, you'll be heard in heaven. That's terrifying. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourself in, on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the press, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like a noonday. Speaking to Israel, speaking to us, speaking to us as a church, speaking to us as a body of Christ in the world. Rise up and see and the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in the sun, scorched land, and you will strengthen your friends. You see the theology? Theology that doesn't have compassion and love in it is not biblical theology because God has called us to be light in a dark world. He's called us. I, oh, this is the verse that I was called to into ministry. Oh, when I was a teenager boy, probably 17, walking along a wet, dark road, Rain pouring down, going to a Bible study, and this verse came in my head. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive and release from the darkness for the prisoner, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them the crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and the garments of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Who does that? One person, our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing? That keeps me on my knees, keeps me humble. I remember a youth group went into Meltdown in England, a place called Rugby. And a good friend of mine got the youth group and he decided to take them out and kind of re booted. The church had gone through problems. So he invited all the youth to come and they all arrived and things that we do at Willow Park, of course, but they all arrived and they were going into the center of the city of Birmingham and they were going to work with the city mission and they were going to give out um, soup and coffee and things. And and so they all arrived, and he remembered telling me that this one girl arrived, pulled up in her smart car. She was like, like really dressed up, for not, not, not like going out downtown to give out things. She was like dressed up to go out downtown to like Earls or something, you know. Not that there's an Earls in England. But 
But she had her hair back combed and was all, she had the big high heels on, she had a, a dress on, and she was clip-clopping along, clip, 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 clip. I'm not against high heels, by the way. This isn't a sermon against high heels. But clip, 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 clip. I'm, you know, fine. And uh, they don't work for me. Clip, 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 clip. And, and they get there and they're given soup and she goes out and she goes out. She starts giving out this girl. She's disorientated. She starts giving out soup. And she, she leans over and she says to this person, would you like some soup? And he goes, what? Would you like some soup? Oh, some soup. And then he goes, why are you doing this? She said, sir, have some soup. Why are you doing this? She said, sir, have some soup. Why are you? She said, sir, I don't know why I'm doing this. But this is the most important thing I've probably ever done in my life. So take the soup. (laughs) There's more theology in that than you can ever imagine. Because the truth is, take the soup. It's time to love. It's time to change our perspective. Let's go to a, the, the testimony of the apostolic fathers. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Love is the hardest thing to foster in our lives. And it's a lifetime journey of grace, of forgiveness. It doesn't mean that you become a doormat. Love is strong. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. It is not arrogant. It does not boast. It's not easily angered. It, It keeps no record of wrong. Love. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It it always perseveres. It it always hopes. It always believes. It's the greatest of all this, is love. And it is in the portrait of Jesus Christ that we truly understand love. Let's stand together. Do you see this woman is the question. Lord, I pray as we stand and pray, that we will know how to translate this into our lives. How to translate it into the context of Kelowna, the context of church, the context of people around us that are in need. 
Help us to see people through our words. Help us to see people through the way that we listen. Help us to reflect deep, spiritual, godly empathy. And just help us, Lord, to be that that person of such grace. And forgive me, Lord, when I may have not seen that woman. Have you seen that woman? Or I may have not seen that man. May not have seen that person in mental distress. I may have not seen and may have dropped the ball. But I thank you that you are great and magnificent, majestic and all-powerful, merciful. And yet you come down to your creation with compassion and love. Help me to reflect that, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. So in the next few moments, Lord, Holy Spirit, come. Help us to hear what you're saying to us out of this scripture, out of the theology of Isaiah. And help us to thank you for good tradition of our ancient fathers of the church. But save us from religion that makes us blind to compassion and mercy, Lord, I pray. Save us from a dualistic heart and a hard heart, Lord, I pray. Amen.